We are in part 10 of our Community on Mission series through the book of 1 John, and I entitled today's message, Truth and Error. I want to remind you that this series is really about what we're supposed to do together, right? Remember, don't let the enemy isolate you and pick you off. That's really tempting to say people are too much work. I'm going to do it on my own. Problem is that makes you exposed out to getting taken out, right? So we need each other. We need to do life together. We need to be able to pray for one another and hold each other accountable and encourage each other. Yeah, that's what this series is about. All right. So as we dive into this message, I'm going to draw your attention to the fill in the blank with some thoughts. The first one is this anthropologists and sociologists, when they talk about human nature, we all gather in groups. Now we gather in groups for safety. Now, Some would refer to those as tribes, gatherings of people that have similarities, tribes. Um, Tribes have leaders, tribes have ideas and concepts that we all agree upon. And usually the way that tribes operate is by communication. We all share information with each other. We talk about what's good, what's bad. We talk about what's right and what's wrong. We talk about what's safe and what's dangerous. And many times that is really healthy I mean, everything from the idea of don't eat those red berries. Yeah. I mean, think about as we're kind of growing as a, as a civilization and we're nomadic and we're checking out new areas and somebody, Bob goes over and tries the red berries and kills over. The rest of us are supposed to go, Hey dude, don't eat the red berries. It didn't go well for Bob, right? If you don't communicate, then everybody is in line to try the red berries and it's not working out for them either. So We need the leadership to be able to get the information and give it back out. Now, sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's really bad. Gossip is the same thing, right? Oh, I heard that so-and-so was this and -and so-and-so heard this about so-and-so. And then we start talking bad about each other. That's when it goes wrong. And that's when you need good tribal leadership to come in and say, whoa, 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 we're not doing that. That's not healthy for our family. Now, Thank goodness, most leadership leads us well. We know what happens when they don't. Y'all remember the the duck boat incident in Branson, Missouri? Yeah? Yeah, out of 31 people on board, that captain said, no, our, our boat can handle it. We can go out in the thunderstorm. We can go out in the brutal river. And then it capsized. 17 to the 31 people lost their lives because leadership made a poor decision. Now, that is rare. Not... Usually leadership is the one keeping you safe. They're the ones trying to guide you out and they're trying to protect you and tell you where the exits are and they err on the side of caution. Praise God for that. But what is super important for us to know is that not all ideas are created equal, right? There's good leadership, there's bad leadership. There's good information, there's bad information. You see, I I recently posted yesterday about the clean conference we had here on Friday night and Saturday morning, that it was our middle school conference. Our middle school pastor, Pastor Ryan Desjardins or Desjardins, if you're cool, (laughs) that Pastor Ryan organized this massive conference. It was super cool. We had our worship team in the basement and they were just lifting up God and, and bringing the house down. It was awesome. They ended up having keynote speakers. I got a chance to be the keynote speaker for Friday. And then they brought in a pastor from another church to be the keynote for Saturday. And then they brought in breakout groups where we had the girls go hang out with Aaron Ambrose, the professor at, and lead of the psychology department at Jessup. I mean, it was such high quality. What were we talking about? 
clean hearts, clean minds, and clean lives. It was all about the purity of God, of saying we need to make the right choices and have our head in the right place. And I began the evening by talking about how to navigate the drama of middle school. Yeah? The drama. Anybody want to go back to middle school? No, of course you don't. That's a terrible place. Right? There's so much drama. And so I was talking to the kids about navigating it. And I said this, if you do not know who you are in Jesus, man, there's going to be a lot of opinions that are going to try to sway you. Everybody's talking. Everybody's got an opinion talking about whether you're valuable or not valuable. We cannot give every voice the same authority. And that indeed is the fill in the blank. Not every voice should get your attention. Not every voice should get your attention. There's certain information out there being sent your way that's not healthy. And we've got to filter it out. We've got to filter it out through the lens of Jesus Christ. Filter it out through the God's Word, yeah? That we can't just give every voice the same authority. Or it's going to really, really mess us up. Now, we don't need to live in fear. We've got plenty of wisdom. We've got good leadership. We've got the Scriptures. We don't need to live in fear, but we just need to live wise. Amen? Pastor John, who wrote this book, um, he really cared about his congregation that had just been blown up by bad teachers. People came in, they were like, yeah, so God told me that this is how it should go. And they were just really confusing. It was religiously abusive. It schismed the church, and he's trying to put the pieces back together. That's where we're going to pick it up. Would you turn with me, if you haven't already, to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. It's almost all the way to the right in your Bibles. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. He begins like this with such a sweet heart. And I can just hear it because I love you as a congregation so much. I could just hear me saying the same things if it was old school, right? He starts out, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. A couple things to know about that. Why does he say don't, don't believe every spirit? Test the spirits. Why does he say spirit? Well, because John, like some of the rest of us, have realized that human beings are not all that smart. There's stuff going on behind it. We get our ideas from somewhere. You either get your ideas from the Lord and his way, or you get your ideas from the other side, but you're getting your ideas from somewhere. So it's really not the individual that you have the concern with. It's what's going on underneath. What is being promoted and pumped out? And what are you believing? You see, for John, the idea of testing the spirits. Now, we always need to test the spirits, right? Because we know that indeed the best way to manipulate someone is to throw religious stuff on it. Can you agree? I mean, because think about it this way. If I come up to you as your authority and I say, hey, I think you should all start wearing more blue. That's one thing. And you can go, I don't like blue. That's dumb. I don't want to wear that. But if I throw this line, I think we all should start wearing more blue because that's what the Lord said. Do you understand? What are you going to say to that? Like that's so manipulative. And you're going to say, no, he didn't. I'm going to say, yeah, he did. And you're going to say, no, he didn't. I'm going to say, yeah, I did. that's all you got. We're not really going to get anywhere. And so we need to always test the spirits. Are people talking about legitimate stuff? Is it really from God? Is it not? But it was even worse in John's day. Why? 
You know, it's interesting. John was the longest living apostle, right? So there's 12 guys. They all got killed except for John. And John ended up living a long life. But here's what's weird about it. By the time that John dies, he wrote the last gospel. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke had all locked down. And then John writes the last gospel. But here's what's bizarre. Paul hadn't even really gotten around yet because he ended up getting saved a little later than the other guys. Then his teachings actually got out before the gospels went public. What's my point in saying all this? John is real serious about testing the spirits because they didn't even have the Bible to test it against. See, what would happen if I told you something weird from the stage? You're like, well, you always tell me something weird. Okay. I mean like legitimately weird, not like just like Lance style weird, but like legitimately weird. What if I said something to this effect, uh, uh, dear friends, I've had a revelation recently as an animal lover. I would like to tell you that I've had something that the Holy Spirit has revealed to me. And he has revealed to me that animals are closer to God than we are. Now, what happens is, is that your puppy dog is actually very connected to the Holy Spirit and he's trying to give you messages. And each and every time that he is sleeping and his little leg starts kicking, right? As his leg starts kicking and he's whimpering, what I need you to do is I need you to lean in real close. I need you to lean in because you can hear a little bit. If you have the ears to hear, you can hear that he's actually trying to give you truth if you're only able to discern it. Okay, now if I said something like that, First of all, y'all be like, man, what is wrong with this dude? This guy, something's wrong with that guy. Okay, but but if you were to legitimately shut that thought down, because I, I even said the Lord told me, right? So if you were going to try to shut that thought down, what would you do? Well, most of you would start quoting scripture to me. Well, that's not legit because of this. It's not, and you're going to start quoting this. But what if you don't have this? That was John's scenario. You see, the, the church at that time was completely driven by prophecy. What would happen is you come to church and they have the Old Testament, but they're trying to find out the new way of doing things, the new covenant in Christ. The Holy Spirit has just come upon the church. How do we do this? I have no idea. And so someone, the leadership would stand up and they'd say, I have a word from the Lord. How are you going to know if it's legit or not? You see, that's what caused a lot of that chaos. They had nothing to check it against. So someone walks up and they said, the Lord told me that we need to be doing it this way and that blah, blah, blah. And John said, you know what? We got to start putting in some testing, some parameters, because this isn't working. He said, let me tell you how to test this stuff. But before we get into the test, there's something that I want to be very clear about at Bridgeway. A lot of the stuff you read is it says the world is bad. The world is bad. The world is bad. Okay. Remember the world means that which society does or buys into that's against God. So is it bad? Sure. That world stuff is bad. But when we start getting an attitude of it's us against the world and we hate the world and all that, that's just not right. How do we know that? Because Jesus gave us three unique postures about how to engage with the world. And I just want to share them with you real quick. Number one, we must always have the attitude of love and rescue. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. The world is anti-God, yet the Bible says Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Any posture that you have of, I hate the world, I hate those people, I hate... If you're spewing hate, something's up with you. 
because that is not the way of Jesus. So number one, love and rescue. Number two, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. What does that mean? It means two things. One is there's no healthy Christian view that says we need to hide away, shelter away, throw up a bunch of walls and just hang out with ourselves and talk about stuff. We are to be in the world. Christianity is designed to go into all areas of society. We are to bring the light of Jesus into the dark places. We're supposed to go out everywhere God calls us to go. We are not to hide. But when we go out, we need to make sure that we're not letting the world mold us into their form, that we are bringing change to them. Yeah? We need to be in the world, but not of the world. The world doesn't get to tell us who to be. Jesus tells us who to be. And we bring that change into the world. Remember, when Jesus healed the leper, he touched him, right? He didn't get leprosy. The leper got clean. The purity went outward, and it changed the one he was touching. That sickness or yucky did not come backwards. It went outwards. That's how we ought to be, all right? The last one is don't love the stuff of the world. Um, if Jesus said to me, Lance, I want you to drop everything and move and give everything away. And I need you to just live for me moment by moment. You guys, I would have a really hard time with that call. There's a bunch of stuff I'm attached to and I'm pretty attached to it. I'm attached to the idea of a consistent home base. I'm attached to the idea of having something to give my kids. I'm attached to the idea. You know what I mean? But I'm living a little too tight handed. I need to live a little bit more open with my hands so that I could really follow the Lord when he calls me. So when we talk about the world, please remember, we, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Stop getting mad at people. But our battle is against the principalities and powers behind that stuff. That's who we should be going after, not people. Amen? All right, good, 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 good. By the way, I randomly say amen really loud to wake up people. It was so cute. Last night I was doing the service and there was this little guy because we had the kids in with us and he was bored out of his mind. And he was, his mouth was so open and he was just gone. He was like the whole time. It was awesome. So anyway, anyway, super cute and a kid. (laughs) 55, not so much. Okay, moving on. Okay, verse 2, here we go. By by this you know the Spirit of God. By by this test you'll know whether or not it's legit. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that doesn't confess Jesus is not from God. Sounds simple. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Okay, I'm going to give you three tests on to find out if something is legitimate that comes from scripture. The first one is from John. The second one is from Paul. The third one's going to be from me kind of reading other scripture pieces to kind of throw in for you. The first one doesn't really apply to our particular scenario, but it was very true for John. The first test is, does the person who's talking for God actually believe that Jesus was legit and that he truly came in the flesh? Why would John talk about that? Y'all, John's not talking to us directly. We're reading his mail to his church. His church got, got blown up by people saying Jesus wasn't a real person. So what is he going to warn him about? 
Uh, Jesus was a real person. So if you don't think Jesus is a real person, that something's messed up. That was his particular unique test. Do we still need to have tests today about other stuff that's important to us? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can hear all kinds of stuff on the radio podcast, right? TV, all that stuff. And I'm on all those things. I get it. I'm not saying those are bad. What I'm saying is when you hear that stuff, you don't just believe everything you hear. You got to figure it out. Is it really from the Lord? You got to have some tests, right? I want Bridgeway to live in the beautiful land between gullibility and cynicism. You guys understand what I'm saying? Because we tend to swing to one of those pendulums. Either we're super naive and everything we read, we panic about, right? I get the emails, pastor, I was just on the internet and I heard, okay, immediately you're suspect. When you send me an email, I was on the internet. Okay, well, something's going to go wrong there. Just telling you right off the bat. So either we're naive and we're panicky or else we just live jaded and we're constantly cynical. Nothing's legit. I learned all my true theology 52 years ago. I don't need any more, you know, that kind of thing. We need to have an open posture. God, teach me. Give me fresh revelation. Help me to have new wineskins, to have your new wine poured into me, but allow me to be anchored in your word that I will not fall prey to whatever's going on out there, that I would have a discerning spirit. That's where we need to live. But we need to live with joy. You know what I'm saying? We don't need to just be cynical and angry all the time. That's not us. That's not our heart. So the first test was, has Jesus come in the flesh? The second test is a bit more telling for us. And Paul talks about this one. He said, is the person who's telling you, will they claim that Jesus Christ is Lord? What does Lord mean? It means master, boss. It means they have submitted their life to him. Let me explain something. Do you remember the story when Jesus was in a synagogue teaching one day, there was a demon possessed dude there. Now, do demons come into church sometimes? Oh, yeah, absolutely, right? The demon starts getting into it with Jesus, and the demon yells out, I know who you are. You, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, are the anointed one of God. Now, that's pretty good theology, right? Can we all agree? There's some of us in this room that still aren't sure Jesus is the Messiah. The demon got it, nailed it. You find out in a couple of verses later, everywhere they went to cast out demons, demons were always saying, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. You're the Holy One of God. You're the Son of God. Like they were pumping out solid theology over and over and over again. James, the brother of Jesus, writes in his book, he says what? You believe there's one God. Hey, you believe in the Trinity. Yay for you. Demons believe that and are really worried about it. So once again, the first test is, do they have good theology? The second test is, have they submitted to it? Because demons have good theology. You better have a better walk with the Lord than a demon, right? So you can get your theology right. Someone could be talking and getting some good stuff's coming out of their mouth, but their life has not been submitted to it. They cannot call Jesus Lord. Demons will not submit to God. The third test is likewise, and I would just add this one in there. Does their lifestyle back up what they're saying? Does their lifestyle back up what they're saying? Anybody can say anything. They can say good theology. They can say that they've given their lives to Christ, but is there evidence? 
Now, why this is so important is I want to constantly encourage you, please do not try to do snap decisions about what is legit and what is not. You need to give it a little time. You need to be patient and wise. When you hear something, you're going to have a little alarm go off in your head and it's going to either sound right or wrong. But here's the problem with it. Sometimes your little sniffer's broken, right? Why? Because you may have been taught wrong in the first place, but it was so ingrained in your head that you can't seem to shake it. Let me give you an example. Remember how I was talking about some of us have come from some pretty bizarre religious backgrounds, right? Let's say, for example, you came from a background that said that you have to be baptized to be saved, right? So what happens is, as I come up here as Pastor Lance, and I'm like, hey, you know that we're all saved by grace through faith, and it's not of your works that any man should boast, but it's just God's kindness to you. You're immediately going to have an alarm go off in your head. Hold up. Not sure I agree with you. Yes, 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 yes. I know that's true. However, the Bible also says that if you will believe and are baptized, you will be saved because you've heard that verse quoted to you a thousand times. So you can't shake the idea that you have to be baptized to be saved. And I go, nah, and you go, "Uh uh-huh. And so what I end up saying is I said, did you read the rest of the verse? Because the verse isn't done yet. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. He doesn't mention baptism again. You have to read the couplet. So in other words, you've got to read it accurately, but someone else has put an idea in your mind. You can't shake it. I try to bring up information like, you know what? The thief on the cross is proof. He was the one that we know at least was saved. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't get off the cross, go get wet and get back on the cross and then go to heaven. (laughs) Right? It's about relationship. It's about belief. It's about faith. Okay. But some of us can't shake the thought. So just because you hear something and an alarm goes off doesn't mean your alarms are set right. Sometimes it's an intellectual alarm that you need to reset. You need to have your mind renewed. But sometimes it's from the Holy Spirit and it's spiritually discerned and something's just not right there. That's what I want to talk a little bit more about. All right, let's go ahead and pick it up in verse 4. Remember, this church had been devastated by bad teachers and they're probably worried that everything's going to go wrong. So he encourages them. Verse 4, little children, you are from God. You've overcome them, meaning the bad guys. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Boy, that's one to memorize, yeah? If you don't have that one memorized, you've got to memorize it right now in your heart. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. You've got to just keep doing that in your head. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Why? Because I've had some really bizarre experiences in my past. I've had times as a young person where I had demonic stuff in my room mess with me and I couldn't remember any real good theology other than I could remember what was instinct and what was instinct. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. I had to have certain things locked into my spirit so that when I got into a panic mode, I could jump to the truth. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. As we go and get our minds renewed with that, he was trying to say, hey, kiddos, we got this. Now I can even encourage you more as your pastor today. We even have the Bible. Like we have good leadership. We have stuff we can sort out. Like we can talk about it. We don't have to live in fear. 
as big and bad as the devil is, and I'm always going to give him credit. I'm always going to acknowledge how amazing that demons and fallen angels and the devil is. I'm always going to do that. Why? They're smarter than us. That's why we have to be connected to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is infinitely more brilliant. He's infinitely more powerful. We're not talking about two similar types. We're talking about the uncaused cause and a created being. He who is in me, the Holy Spirit, is greater all the time than anything evil going on. We need to be living wise and take that stuff seriously, but we don't need to live in fear. We got this. We're all right, especially together. We're okay says this, verse 5, they, those bad guys that kind of blew up everything, now they're from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. Okay, this is talking about resonating off core values. Give me an example. The world has different value system than we do. I talked about that last week. Christian core values are different. So let's say that somebody is not saved. They do not have the Holy Spirit in them. They are just an average good person. And they go to a seminar about success. They go in and there's a motivational speaker. It could be a male or a female, but they're brilliant at what they do. And what they say is things like this. You want to succeed. Everyone's like, yeah, I'll tell you the key to succeed. The key of all great things is within you. You are the answer to your success. That if you believe in yourself, if you truly know who you are and you do everything in your power, you can shape the world around you and your principles and you will be successful. You know what they're going to hit? A round of applause and ovation and everyone's going to go, man, yeah. Why? Because their spirit resonates with what's being said. I want to be successful and I believe in me. To a Christian, what's going to happen? They're going to go, yeah, that's not okay. You said you trust in you? Wow, that's a terrible idea. (laughs) You need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have something that doesn't work with you. It's not resonating. Now, I'm going to tell you something that sounds a little mystical and creepy, but you're a Christian, so you're weird anyway. Um. Do you understand that the Holy Spirit helps you read the Bible and, and is doing it all the time? Um, the Bible says that things are spiritually discerned. You're not just reading the same way that everyone else in the world is reading the Bible. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's highlighting stuff. Let me tell you how I know. So I've been teaching the Bible since I was 16 years old. I'm 46. That's 30 years if my math is right. That is 30 years of teaching the Bible. I already planned out next year. Our team planned out the theme for next year and what we're covering. By the end of next year, we will have about three or four books are the only books we haven't taught all the way through just in this church alone, which means that I've been at the helm that entire time. Therefore, I have taught almost the entire Bible, not just read it multiple times. I have taught the Bible over and over and over in detail every book. And on my computer, I have a file that says new Bible stories. Why? Because I keep reading and going, I've never saw that before. Where did that story come from? Like, how did I miss that? I've been teaching it the entire time. What? I don't remember ever seeing this. And I'm literally cutting and pasting little stories over this file going, I don't know what I'm talking about. 
did I miss it? Have you ever had this experience? You're reading the same thing over and over, and all of a sudden the light bulb, bing, and you're like, how did I miss that? Right? That's the Holy Spirit. He is helping you read. And he's bringing the truth of the word of God right into your heart. And he's opening your mind. Your eyes are lit up. He's making stuff highlight off the page. And he, this is a supernatural experience. Man, how awesome is that? You see, the world's going to resonate with the world. Man, but a Christian's going to resonate with Christ. And when you're going to hear stuff from me, when I start talking and I'm, I'm not just talking about my opinion, I'm talking about God stuff, there's going to be things in your spirit and you're going to be like, yeah, yeah. And it's just going to resonate because the Holy Spirit's like, hey, he finally got one. Right? When you feel that, that's beautiful. That's God just ministering to you. Yeah? Let's close it out in verse 6. Y'all, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us as the leadership. Whoever's not from God, well, they don't listen to us. But by this, by this whole plan of proof and testing and sorting, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Y'all, we can do this. We can sort out good stuff. We don't always have to get lost or we're afraid. And what if we go down some crazy trail? Have a lot of churches gone the wrong direction? Yes. Am I completely capable of screwing up our entire church? Yes. But I also know that we have a lot of good-hearted, solid Christians in this church that we're going to continue to steer it in a good way. Are we going to lose our way sometimes? Maybe. But we know how to get back. We're anchored to the Word of God. Am I going to test you and push you? Yes. Are we going to talk about stuff that's going to spin your head? Yeah. But I can tell you this. We're anchored in the Lord, right? Can I have the prayer team come on up here? Uh, once again, the altar is always open for anyone that has any needs, whether that's physical, mental, or emotional, mind, spirit, body, whatever you have. They'll pray for you up here. But there's a special group I would like to call up for our team, and that is if you really need your mind renewed, you're like, well, Pastor, you've talked about this before, and I'll talk about it again. If you have been involved in some spiritual abuse in the past and you really getting stuck in having obstacles in your heart, if you need just refreshment prayer, can you please come up for prayer for that? If maybe you've had people speak over you things that aren't true and you can't seem to shake it, right? Because it doesn't just happen in middle school. It happens for the rest of our lives. If you've had somebody say something about you, maybe it's an ex, maybe it's your current spouse, Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your kids. And they've said stuff about you that's not true and you can't seem to get rid of it. If you need your mind washed and renewed, that's what this team is going to be praying about. Just walk up and say, I can't get these thoughts out of my head. And they'll start praying for you. Because I would love for all of us to just be tracking on Jesus and ditching the garbage. Amen? Amen. Let's just pray and close out. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you, Lord, for your provision. That, Lord, in this beautiful environment, we are asking for the anointing of this altar that we might have breakthrough, that our minds might be renewed. That, Lord Jesus, that we would have a transformation of the way that we are processing. That, Lord, we keep empowering yucky stuff, and we would like that to stop today. We ask, Lord, that you would be able to turn our eyes and our ears attuned to heaven, that we only hear downloads from you, that, God, whenever we go out into the world, we need a new filter, 
But God, we got to go everywhere with your kingdom. We're on mission. But Lord, on mission, we sure get a lot of opinions. And I just pray, Lord, that you would give us a better filter. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you next time.